Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. It's now been almost a year and a half since Russia invaded Ukraine, and the impact of Putin's war can be felt from the geopolitical landscape to the global economy. A point of particular concern has been energy, as Europe has had to find ways to cut its reliance on Russian gas and oil. Yurya Naku, a features editor at Macropolis, a specialist website focused on political and economic analysis of Greek affairs, joins me to look at how Greece's energy policy has been affected by Putin's invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent EU sanctions on Russia, and explore what this means as Greece's government looks to maintain an ambitious energy and climate policy. Georgia, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Great to be back. Georgia, you just published an in-depth analysis on the specific ways Greece's energy sector has been impacted by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. What would you say have been the main consequences so far for Greece? Well, I think it's useful to set a baseline to begin with, which is that Greece entered into this as one of the most energy-dependent countries on Russian imports among its European peers. So 47% of all of Greece's energy needs were met by Russian imports in 2021, and that's mostly oil and natural gas imports. So the crisis sparked by the Ukraine war had quite a dramatic impact on the energy mix. Just to give you a few headlines, there was a 20% cut in demand for natural gas in Greece across all sectors. Greece reduced its gas imports from Russia by a stonking 72%, most of which it substituted by importing LNG, half of which came from the US. And the contribution of fossil fuels to power generation um, was cut down by about 6%, despite a rising demand, because we have to remember that the economy was coming out of COVID restrictions at the same time, so it was ramping up its energy demand. And all this happened while consumers were largely protected from the surging energy prices at a fairly limited cost to the budget. There are some asterisks to this. We can go into later if you want. But aside from that, Greece finally saw its aspirations to become a a regional energy hub realised, at least in part. And at the same time, I would say the highlight from where I'm sitting was that it demonstrated the possibilities for shifting its energy policy to quite a radical degree. And we can also discuss that if you want. We had spoken on this podcast a few days after the onset of the war in Ukraine. To break down what it could mean for Greece's economy as a whole, looking back over the last year and a half, how would you say Greece's economy has fared in the face of this crisis? Yeah, yeah, happy days. Well, you know, the good news is that despite the adjustment that I was talking about just now, and really having to absorb something like 60 billion euros of extra costs in gas prices, the economy grew by 5.9% in 2022. And that was while industrial output was up by 2.3%. So, you know, there was not a massive impact on the economy. On the downside, as we had predicted back then, the balance of payments deficit, which is a structural problem of the Greek economy, ballooned because of increased energy costs. The balance deficit shot up to about 39 billion euros, and that is a massive jump year on year, but it's also 
the highest level that we've seen since the eve of the debt crisis. So that was quite alarming. Throughout this energy crisis, Greece also took aggressive action to not only alleviate the costs that Greek citizens and businesses had to face, but also to break its and its neighbors' reliance on Russian gas. And you alluded to some of these steps earlier. What are the bright spots that we can highlight in Greece's response? Well, the cost to consumers was a major policy concern because I remember discussing with you even before the war broke out and prices really escalated that Greece already had one of the highest levels of energy poverty in Europe. So on a policy level, that was a top concern going into this. So the government channeled something in the region of 10 billion euros and that's equivalent to 5% of GDP to cushion the impact on energy bills. More than half of this came from emergency taxation measures on the energy sector. So it wasn't all funded from general taxation, but it's still a significant amount and one of the largest uh, amounts spent, especially compared to the size of the economy across Europe. The subsidies were able to dampen the price rises significantly to consumers. So consumers didn't see all the increase on their bills, but they did leave enough of a signal that consumers voluntarily cut their natural gas use by over 20% within a year. And that massively overshot both the European and the national targets for demand reduction. So that was quite surprising because that, although there was a compulsory reduction target on the European level, there were not compulsory reduction measures in the Greek policy toolkit that was driven mostly by price rises. And you also asked about reducing the dependency of Greece and its neighbours on Russian gas. And, you know, Greece achieved one of the the highest reductions, the largest reductions of Russian imports across Europe. But it, it also was able to use the infrastructure that it has invested in, the cross-border infrastructure, mainly gas pipelines and the one LNG terminal, to allow gas to be exported to Italy and Bulgaria, which particularly in the case of Bulgaria was quite significant because its dependence on Russia was was pretty high. So, um, you know, overall, there was some fairly significant effect of the emergency responses. I want to move us to climate policy. You know, in his first term, Prime Minister Mitsotakis put forth an aggressive climate action plan, including eventually shutting down the country's lignite plants. Obviously, the war upended some of these plans, but it also accelerated others on the green energy front. What has this meant for Greece's energy and climate ambitions? Well, as you say, well, one of the first announcements that Prime Minister Mitsotakis made when he took office in 2019, that he was going to phase out the use of coal in electricity generation, which uses a lignite, which is available in Greece plentifully and had been the major backbone of Greece's power generation historically although it's been gradually phased out. So the deadline that was set for closing coal-fired generation was 2025. But as a result of seeing a potential for shortages in gas, the life of those plants was extended to 2028. So that was a minor potential setback, although as it turned out, those plants didn't have to be used as much as perhaps was expected last winter. No. There has been more focus on renewable energy 
I wouldn't say it's been significantly ramped up, but the government and the private sector have pressed through with meeting renewables targets and renewables did kind of increase their contribution to the energy mix and will continue to do so. And some of the sort of technical hurdles to do with energy storage seem to have been overcome and sort of fast-tracked as a result of this response to the energy crisis. But bizarrely, I would say there was another plank of the national strategy, which is reliance on natural gas, which is seen as a a transition fuel towards decarbonisation, has not really been impacted. And I say it's surprising because you would expect higher prices to really spark a rethink on this front. And I think, you know, in my view, this could be a missed opportunity, particularly given that the economy showed an ability to adapt, to be able to continue growing with less gas in the mix. And it's also interesting because even the IEA, which is not perhaps the most pro-green force in the energy world, in its most recent report, urged Greek policymakers to reconsider this sort of baked-in dependence on natural gas because it warned that it would result in what it calls stranded assets. So it, it's urging Greek policymakers to consider redirecting the investment that they have slated for gas networks towards green technologies, including energy efficiency, renewable generation, energy storage. Looking ahead, Yuria, and I know we're still in the middle of summer, but do you think Greece and Europe are well-positioned this time around, should the war drag out for another winter? Well, first of all, I think it would take an incredible optimist to foresee an end to the war before this winter. But it's also worth noting that the world economy and the West's energy systems in particular have realigned irreversibly as a result of the crisis, you know, turning away from Russia. And that most forecasts are that higher energy prices are here to stay. So the question is, How can national and European policy cope with the fact? Now, the Greek government has said it intends to keep bills subsidized until the end of the year. But the European Commission has said that all support of a horizontal nature, which is what Greece had been applying, must be phased out. So that removes one of the key policy tools that the Greek government had used for coping with the crisis. And there isn't really any indication of a plan B on that front. I mean, it's also worth noting that the price control measures were not universally applauded. For one thing, they led to runaway price increases in the wholesale markets. And this is playing on weaknesses in the design of the Greek electricity markets, which have resulted in some of the highest prices throughout Europe. And that has not been corrected. So that flaw is still there. So anything that drives the wholesale prices up will have an outsized impact on the Greek market. And at the same time, there are other critics, including the European Commission, who've pointed out that the funds raised from the budget and from windfall taxes were not used efficiently because very little effort was made to target them towards those who would benefit most or where they would have had the biggest effect. So again, there's no indication that these weaknesses have been acknowledged or that there is an alternative plan in case prices shoot up to the same degree again. So, you know, the answer to your question is it's not clear, you know, in the, in the short term what the response would be. Yorgia, thanks for joining us. Always great speaking with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
In other news, a Greek soccer fan was killed in clashes between rival supporters in Athens, prompting UEFA to postpone a Champions League qualifying game between Ayak Athens and Croatia's Dinamo Zagreb on Tuesday. Greek police said they had made 88 arrests, mostly of Croatian supporters. Under a previous ruling by UEFA, Dinamo fans who had a reputation for disorder were barred from attending stadium matches. Despite this ban, Croatian media reports said about 200 fans had traveled to Athens. Greece's opposition criticized authorities, saying police failed to control the Dinamo supporters. Croatian Prime Minister Andrei Plankovic called Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis to express his condemnation of the violence. Finally, Eurostat's provisional data on the Harmonized Consumer Price Index on Monday showed a rebound in inflation in Greece in July instead of a further de-escalation. Such data are worrying both for their effects on family budgets and overall for the course of the economy's development. Food inflation remains high, while unleaded gasoline is creeping back up to an average rate of 2 euros per liter across Greece. The continuation of the price hikes in basic commodities such as food and fuel, but now also in several categories of services, is creating pressure on the government and by extension on the state budget through a further extension of various income support measures. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.